Well, welcome to the Take Care and Live podcast. I'm Dr. Stephen V, and you are listening to the Tuesday Take. So I want to discuss one question with you. Let's see if we can unpack this together. And here's the question. Are you experiencing a resistance to change or resistance to trust? Are the people you're leading experiencing a resistance to change or resistance to trust? A resistance to change is a head issue. The individual is driven by a history of systems that inform them about the present, even if it is inaccurate. A resistance to change depends on old systems and continuing to use old systems, thinking that it's going to yield a different result. It actually borders insanity, but it is a way of safeguarding them from the truth of the new reality. A resistance to trust is a heart issue. It is often the result of a past experience, hurt, let down, disappointment that keeps them frozen in time. When it comes to resistance to change, people will tend to practice what they've done before. In a resistance of trust, people actually become stuck. You might have experienced that yourself. Could have been related to a commitment that you were going to make. You recalled from the past that when you made a decision or made the commitment before, it failed. It went south. And so as a result, the opportunity to to make the commitment again shows up and you... Don't run from it, but you don't run to it. That's a resistance to trust. So here are some key things that you can do if you're leading people who are experiencing a resistance to trust. One, ask them, why is it that they're not moving forward? Just ask them. Don't demand that they move. Don't force them to move. Just ask them, why haven't you made a decision? Why are you still here? Why haven't you made any traction? And don't do it in a way that's insulting or demeaning. Simply ask the question. Create that space. Part of helping people overcome the hurt of resistance to trust is knowing that they can be heard. Next, here is your opportunity to charge them with an action, but be specific and descriptive. Tell the person, hey, I want you to go ahead and make a decision about how many of the contracts we should take on this year. Take a look at the opportunities, the various contract opportunities, And then bring them back to me so we can discuss them and see if they're in fact the best options. 
So right there, you create the condition for trust by giving explicit directions on how they can move forward and then creating the space for them to come back to you and unpack their selection in a safe space that won't be critical or criticized or demeaned. You're creating space for conversation. People who are experiencing resistance to trust often feel like their voices don't count. If you're someone leading individuals who are experiencing resistance to trust, it's important that you create conditions for them to do that. Now, as they go, here's something I want you to remember. When they go to examine the opportunity, give them instructions to take detailed notes, to be descriptive, to capture specifically what it is they favor. So you could say, Charlie, I want you to go and identify those contracts. I'll leave it up to you to decide the contracts we should choose. I trust you. But as you're there, I want you to document the contracts that you find more favorable, the people we should partner with this cycle. And why? Then come back to me and we'll discuss it. What you're doing is creating some autonomy for the individual in the decision making process. Your openness about wanting to hear specifically about why they're interested in that particular contract or opportunity creates the space for them to engage in dialogue. It heightens a sense of safety. As you're heightening a sense of safety, you're building trust. And you're building their confidence in their ability to trust themselves. Okay. So give them a task, be explicit, ask them to be descriptive in their reporting back to you, and then engage them in dialogue about the decision. Help them come to a reasonable conclusion. Help them come to the best course of action. So maybe it's Debbie. I like the fact that you identified those three contracts in particular. And I love how you elevated what they would offer us in our portfolio that we don't have, but have the capacity to do very well. But having thought and talked it over with you, I think we should actually go with these two and not that third one. Just in that moment, you created conditions for them of acceptance, belonging, all of which help to establish a new level of trust in themselves and in you. They're able to move forward because they have the confidence of someone who entrusted them onto a new path that they were resistant, ta- resistant in taking. So remember, a resistance to trust is a heart issue. Heart issues require more intentional, verbal, and physical cues. They require more dialogue and personal engagement. Because it's about building up the person's sense of self as well as their sense 
of you. Remember that resistance to trust is a relationship stronghold. It is a it is a stronghold that says I can't move forward in this direction because you might let me down. Resistance to change is a systems stronghold. It says we've done this before. Look. Why change it? When you're engaging someone who's experiencing a resistance to trust, your job is to act as a facilitator. You are, in essence, moving the person out of the psychological and even the physical park position. Okay, you don't do the work for them. Notice in the example I gave, you gave them explicit directions that created safety for them to take a risk and move forward. But in that example, you didn't do the work for them. You want to just create conditions that enable them to do the work and experience the benefits that trust creates. While at the same time, creating mechanisms for accountability. When you're helping someone overcome a resistance to trust, you're helping to set new expectations, right? You're being specific and you're helping to create conditions that mobilize them into action. But you're not someone who is demanding action. They're not being insubordinate. Now, certainly their inaction could be hampering development, right? It could be hampering progress, but their behavior is not symptomatic of someone who is resistant to change. Their struggle is that they want to change, but don't know how. And that needs to be cared for, but it requires a different strategy than someone who is acting out of insubordination. Clear example, you have a toddler, it's time to eat dinner. The same day or same days every single week, the toddler refuses to eat the peas and mashed potatoes. Any other day, she would eat it. Today, she's obstinate and refusing to do it. She keeps pushing your hand away. She clenches her teeth and her mouth. There is a refusal to move in your direction. She's made a decision to move, just not in your direction. You've tried singing her favorite song, you know, little airplane song with the food. You've tried making a promise that if she eats the food, she'll be able to play play outside or, you know, play with a dog or even promise that she could have her favorite dessert. You know, you promise all kinds of things. And yet there's a resistance to make any movement in your direction. Right. That is a refusal to change. That is a level of insubordination. Now, that same child, you tell the child to leap from the table into your arms. The child does it the first time and falls. You later on ask the child to do it again. And the child just stands there refusing to move. That's not insubordination. That's not a refusal to change. That is a refusal 
to trust. Similar responses. But one is embedded in a history of disappointment. The other one is embedded in a history of systems. That child knows that every day at a certain time, it's dinner time. So on this day or those given days, this child decides, no, I'm not going to eat. I'm going to I'm going to stand against the status quo. No. They may look similar in expression. But the causes are different and require different action. So think about how you could care for people better by discerning between. The difference. Of a resistance to change. Or resistance to trust. What are some of the next steps you could take to support the individual to become more fluid in movement if they're experiencing a resistance to trust? And what do you need? Who do you need to step into your life at this point to help you overcome your resistance to trust? Because the experience of a resistance to trust has to be facilitated and it often needs to be facilitated by someone outside of yourself. So think about where you fall. Think about where others fall in that continuum and identify the supports needed to move you along in the right direction. That's all for now. Go ahead and do what I encourage us to do every time we're together and that's to take care and live. Thank you for joining this episode of the Take Care and Live podcast. I'm excited you spent the time with me today. And I'm going to ask you to do me this favor. Write us a review. Let us know just how much you enjoyed the show. And if you enjoyed the show so much that you think it's worth sharing with a friend, go ahead and do that too. We would love to hear just how much this show has impacted you and the friends you shared it with. And remember to do this one thing and do it well. And that's to take care and live.